Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Monday Main Point. It is Monday, December the 20th, uh, 2021, as we're quickly drawing a close to 2021. And uh, it's hard to believe we've actually, uh, guys, we've, we've done a podcast for an entire year um, because we actually started this. Like October of last year. Yeah. With like, our minor profits series. Right, right. It was it was all the way back in in uh, uh, 2020, 20, right? So we, we've done all of 2021 now. We have a, a year's worth of podcasts. The only reason I know that is because, like, um, when I when I set these things up, um, it, it, it tells it asks, you can label the seasons. And so when we started 2021, I labeled it as season two. And uh, it's because I, I took 2020 to be season one, even though it's a shorter season. And so this is literally 2021 is season two of our podcast. And so, yeah. Dang, almost so a, season three's in like three weeks. Season three starts in three <laughs> weeks. That's right. And while we're talking about that, we'll just go ahead and say this for those of you who are, who are listeners to the podcast. Um, we won't be having a podcast the next two weeks. We're off for the next two weeks for Christmas and New Year's. And we'll come back at the end of that, um, unless things change and we decide we want to come together and, and record one, but we're probably not going to record one after Christmas. And so we'll, we'll, we'll tackle, we'll tackle these next two sermons together in one super mega awesome podcast to start, <laughs> to start out, start season, out three. season three what with, a with a double, with, with a double shot podcast. Yes. That's, that's what we're going to do. But today, uh, we're, we're, I guess we're going to close out season two here with this one, um, but and we're going to do it once again without without uh, our senior pastor Jeff's not able to be with us uh, today. Uh, we're uh, he uh, still recovering from his surgery. Um, our prayers are with him, obviously, and we we miss our brother. But um, I'm here with Jeremiah, our youth pastor, and Jeremiah Custer, and our, our children's pastor Blake Flincham. Um, and of course, I'm Jonathan Hendrickson. I'm associate pastor here at Rosa Sharon, and. We're glad you joined us for the Monday Main Point. So what we do here is we are we just kind of break down uh, uh, as the guests like to see, like we were just saying we like to nerd out a little bit on on uh, looking back over the sermon that was uh, that was presented on Sunday, kind of looking at it from a sometimes from from philosophical point of view, theological point of view, um, just pastoral point of view, and uh, and, and also practical as well. We, we want to talk about the practical aspects of these of these messages. And then just invite you to come in on the conversation. So um, we've actually started this conversation already. We're just bringing you in a little late today. Because we've been talking about this message all morning already. So um, we decided to press record before we uh, talked talked our, talked all about all the stuff that we had to say about it. We don't have to repeat ourselves. So, um, so yeah, Jeremiah is continuing, uh, or he... he, he preached Sunday, and uh, uh, brought a message that's really the third part of our current sermon series um, off of Isaiah 9-6, that is uh, the Cradle, Cross, and Crown. This is our Christmas sermon series that we decided to do on Isaiah 9-6, and Isaiah 9-6, just a, as a reminder, is the, for unto, uh, uh, for unto us a child is born, unto you a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, uh, and his name will be called uh, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. And we know that this was a prophecy for Isaiah's time. It wasn't just for Isaiah's time, though, as we've established. We we realize that prophecies can be both and. And I think that, that what Isaiah is talking about here to the, would have been applicable to the people of his day, which, um, as I think I've said before, Judah is about to be attacked um, or is, a, is fearing attack, fearing invasion, because... Um, Israel and Syria are allying together and threatening Judah. And the king of Judah is, is, is concerned, as are the citizens of Judah. And God sends a message via Isaiah that, that, um, that this is not going to be, the, this, this won't always be the case, that he's got a plan in place to rescue. Now, we know that that plan in place to rescue is not just to rescue Judah in that day and time, but also... Um, this is a bigger sign. And the reason why we know it's a bigger sign is because he's using things like Emmanuel, meaning God with us, which was part of your, uh, you focused heavily, Jeremiah, on, on Emmanuel in your, in your message. Mm-hmm. But he's using things like that. And he's using terms like mighty God, which is what Jeremiah was, was looking at uh, this week. So um, 
we're going to talk about what it means to be mighty God and how the people of that day and age might have understood that and also how Jesus sort of fulfills that and uh, and further how he's mighty God for us today. So that's sort of the, the way we'll look at this. Um, so to begin, um, one of the things, and we mentioned it last week, and you mentioned it again in, in your message, um, this has to be in, in reference to God. This prophecy has to be. Yeah, I, I don't know how, uh, and, and in fact, it's such it's such blasphemy during Isaiah's time, right? <laughs> For anybody to call themselves God. Yeah, I mean, if if you refer to yourself, what Jesus Jesus uses, uh, what he uses, an I am statement, and and is the, the moment that he says I am, and and oh, yeah. and they hear him say that, they they lose their collective minds and try to kill him. So, for someone. For a human being to claim that they are God would have been just ludicrous. It would and, have been a death sentence. Yeah, right. Well, because it goes against Jew- blasphemy was punishable by death. Right, in right. Jewish law. Right. So it would have been a death sentence. You're absolutely right. And so um, it's interesting to me that Isaiah is saying this, and then they're apparently not blinking. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any anything. Um, and yet, so it has to be in connection to God. And I don't know if people were thinking, okay, well, this child that's going to be born is going to be God. I think I think you had a good answer for it. I like what you said. You said they understood God's presence, right? So God's presence has been with them before, like in in Genesis and Exodus and. Um, and, and, you know, throughout the wilderness and then later in the tabernacle and then into the temple. God's presence has been with them. So perhaps what this is saying is, and we know that God's spirit, for instance, was said to be on King Saul and King, you know, King David. The, his spirit rested on them um, or, 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 you know, was on them. Yeah. So perhaps that's what they think that this, that, that must be what they thought it meant, Jeremiah. Yeah, to be honest with you, I'm still baffled by it. Because I, I, it's hard for me to put my mind in their in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I try, but I don't. I mean, given everything they knew about the Messiah, I mean, David, David, way before Isaiah's time, seems to have a really good picture of what the Messiah would be. Mm-hmm. But never, never do I do I see David calling the Messiah a God. Or, or, or even making them equivalents. Well, the closest he comes is the verse that gets quoted in the New Testament later. Like, my, my Lord said... The Lord said to so, my the Lord. The Lord said to my Lord. Yeah, yeah. But it's like, you know, Lord Lord was just seen as like anyone over authority. Right. I think Paul... Yeah. Paul, No, it's Peter. Peter. Peter mentions that in his sermon, right? In Acts. Yeah. I mean, it's quoted, I think, eight times. It's quoted twice in Hebrews. So clearly, the New Testament saw like the Lord, like that that being a reference to God, right? But I don't think anyone. I don't think like Isaiah's. I don't even think David. No, I don't either. Really had a good picture. Yeah. So when you get to Isaiah's time, and they, I mean, this verse just baffles me. It mm-hmm. almost comes out of nowhere. Yeah. And it's so explicit. I don't know how you miss it, and yet. Even I would. I think I would have missed it. Yeah. Or I would have just, like I said, I would have just explained it away. Right. Like, oh yeah, God's been with us before. Right. Uh, but not that. I, I don't. I don't think I would have thought God was actually coming. Yeah. Oh. Well, I definitely wouldn't have thought God was going to come become a human. Right. I, I. I mean, there's no way. My mind just. That just. You can't go there. Even even at post all of that happening, your mind has a hard time going there. Yeah, it, it does. And, and, and in fact, um, I think that because, like I said, that there are there are if you study Greek mythology and uh, like even even like Near East mythologies and stuff, there are there are accounts of gods visiting. Right, there are accounts of gods coming to Earth and 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 doing whatever. Yeah. Um, but there's not an account that I'm aware of anyway of a God being born as human 
and with the sole purpose of rescuing humanity, like, like literally giving up. Because even if he was born as human, he would be giving up some. Uh, he wouldn't be giving up any of his godness in doing so. Like there are people who like might look at. Um, I'm trying to remember. I've not done a whole lot of study on like say the Dalai Lama, right? Yeah. But I, my understanding of that is that it's supposedly some sort of reincarnation of. But not of God, God, right? This is just a reincarnation of some sort of uh, leader, right? It, like that, that sort of thing. But not God, not like yeah. And in polytheistic religions, it would have to be it would have to be like Zeus. Yeah, it would have to be like Brahma and right. and uh, Hindu, right? Because they, I mean, it'd have to be the God, right? Like because. Uh, Hindus, uh, this is probably too much for now, but Hindus kind of, they're polytheistic, right? They have tons of idols. Right. But they would claim that they're monotheistic because all of that kind of plays into Brahma. Right, but then that's really complicated because Brahma is not like what we call God. No, yeah. Brahma is just the, Brahma is everything. It's it's weird. Uh, we won't get into, but you into would, you that. Would, but I mean, it's. I'm it's, just I'm just saying, like even with Greek mythology, I think well, just the the kids' cartoon uh, Hercules, right? right? He's a god who's sent as a baby, right? Which I think that might be the only story of it coming as a baby. Other gods came as like warriors. They 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 right. like uh, Achilles and all them. Right. Uh, Hercules came as a baby, and he was kind of. Mortal, he is half mortal. That's the thing. But he's not Zeus. You see no, what I'm he's saying? not Zeus. He's not. He's not the god of gods. No, or whatever. Uh-huh. Yeah. No. No. And so it's different. And so I. And for the Hebrew people, this is even more so because we can. It's one thing to talk about it in terms of mythologies and things, but the Hebrew people were so. Um, well, especially the leaders, the religious leaders, were very monotheistic, right? To, to a point that, like you said, to, to say that there was more than one God is, is, is punishable by death. You know, that kind of, you know, the, go back to the Ten Commandments. You should have no yeah, other gods first, before me. First right? four. And right. I think of the Shema, Hero Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord, Lord is one. one right? And love him with all your heart, soul, mind, you know, strength. And... Right. So, so it, it, you know, it, it, they had to look at it in a different way yeah. and, and to make sense of it. But you're right. In, in some ways, even for us today, to think of it as the God of the universe, the God who created all of this, all of it, every atom in, in, in our universe, was like came and, and was born and walked among us as one of us. That just doesn't, I mean, it doesn't compute, right? Yeah. Um, and I think that's why, and we talked a little bit about this uh, um, before we started recording, but I think that's why some people um, have difficulty with the idea that either they miss the idea that Jesus is God, right? Or like you said, once they get the idea that Jesus is God, they're like, okay, that kind of makes sense, but then they miss the idea that Jesus is human, or they really struggle with the idea that Jesus is also human. Um, yeah, so the stories of Jesus, they think it makes more sense to them. Like, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's why he walked on water. That's why he was able to multiply right. bread and stuff. Right. Because he's God, mm-hmm. right? But then you're like, well, no, 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 he's also 100% human. Right. And so in their minds, it's just like, in, in my mind, even... even it's like, how, how do I mesh those two? Like, how is he able to do those things and still be human? Mm-hmm. And if he's God, how is he able to die? I mean, just all kinds of... <laughs> right. No, no. I mean, no. You're, 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 you're knocking on the door of some really difficult questions. Yeah. And things that we, we... And really, this gets into, like, okay, well, now we're talking about aspects of the Trinity that are just really hard to kind of fathom. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, I don't like you know me. I'm a philosopher. I don't I don't like throwing down the mystery card and saying, "Well, we just don't understand because it's a mystery to us." Mm-hmm. I like to try to comprehend it. Right. But man, it's difficult. It is. It's very difficult to try and comprehend it without without committing some heresy. Yeah. You know, of, of some sort. And that's why you know you know okay so yeah you brought up Arius 
and and the Council of Nicaea, you know, Arius is is he's just doing the same thing we're doing, by the way. He's just like, okay, this doesn't make sense. How can I can make sense of this? Jesus has to be born. Yeah, Jesus must have to be born. He's the firstborn of all creation, and so. God must have created Jesus. And so there's a different category for Jesus than there is for God. And, of course, you know, people, you know, Nicholas and others are pretty upset over that. Yeah. And but but you understand why he would why he would go down that path. Yeah. Why he might actually even think that why anybody would think that or for that instance, for that matter. Yeah. I mean, it. trying to figure out the trinity of we were actually talking about our former theology professors and I heard a. Uh, Dr. Hammett over at Southeastern Seminary quote of, you know, if you try to explain it, you're going to lose your mind, but if you try to deny it, you're going to lose your soul. Mm. And that's Mm. really what happens with the Trinity. And I feel like for us, you know, we don't have to completely understand it to be Christians. Mm -hmm. Um, We have to affirm it in faith, but we cannot deny it. Yeah, we cannot deny it and be in right standing with God, you know. So there's well, because if you do, then all of a sudden you have a Jesus who isn't God, right? Well, isn't, I, isn't it certainly isn't one hundred percent God. And if you don't affirm it, I mean, Jesus affirms Himself as God. Mm-hmm. And if we say we're followers of Jesus, but we don't believe Jesus was God, we're saying that actually I don't agree with what Jesus said there. So really, right. we might well, not say it this way, but if we don't believe He's God, then He's a liar. Right, we live as if he's a liar. Right, and and the and and the opposite end of that would be, okay. Well, if you don't affirm the Trinity as 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 such, then you almost have you just have to say, okay, well, Jesus is God, but in a polytheistic way, right? Like there's multiple, there's three gods. There's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That there are actually three different, uh, full entities, three different essences, if you if you will, right. Um, that are not one and the same. When uh, and if you do that, then then you're not affirming Christianity either. Right, and uh, people and outside religion, I think of like Islam will actually accuse us of being polytheistic um, because oh yeah uh, yeah because um, Islam they they they're on board with the Shema. The, yeah, they're absolutely God is one. right. They, right, they're all fully on board with that. But when it comes to the Trinity, they say we worship three gods, yep. and that's not true. That's yeah, not true. Yeah, I mean, look, the math doesn't. You know, when 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 does three ever equal one, right? I mean, that that's that the pro that's that's a problem we struggle with. But I think I think the answer to that actually lies in the fact that we're talking about God. If we were talking about created entities, I don't know, you know if you if you had three apples, for instance, yeah. you, know, you have a green apple, a red apple, and a yellow apple on the table, and you go, well, they all have the same essence. Yeah, but I'm there's three different apples here, right? But that's because those are created things. Right. When we're talking about God, we're talking about the origin of creation and something that's to- wholly different than that which has been created. Um, and so I think because of that, um, that's why three can equal one and it, and it still work. When it I, doesn't work. It, it doesn't compute in our heads. When I look at it, not one plus one plus one equals... Or excuse... Yeah, how does... Uh, one plus one plus one right. equals three. Yeah, equal right three. But it's one times one times one equals one. Might be a better math way of looking. Maybe at the perhaps. perhaps uh, yeah, bit. yeah. I mean, the, I can see what you're saying there. Yeah. But it, it, it's it, again, it's difficult. The, it is. The the, yeah. the whole thing is that we it it you know without getting in a lot of weeds here. But it's important because if we're going to talk about him being mighty God, then we have to talk about the Trinity. I don't mm-hmm. know how you don't. Yeah. Um, well, but just that next week we're talking about him being everlasting, everlasting father. father. And you're like, <laughs> oh, oh gosh, that's yeah. gonna be a fun one. Yeah, that's Blake. Blake, that's your charge. Good luck with that. I think y'all did that on purpose. I'll, 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 I'll be in Kentucky, so uh, I'll be listening from afar. Uh, no, no, it's uh, but it, it is, and I, I think both of you guys have said that. I don't know how we 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 can talk about mighty God and everlasting Father and the and these being applicable to Messiah without somehow or another wrestling with the Trinity because at you know at least at least in this forum you yeah. can talk about it in a sermon without getting into it but I think if we're really going to talk about what it means to be mighty God for the Messiah to be mighty God or for the Messiah to be everlasting father then we have to kind of get into okay how does the Trinity really work or how do, how do we understand this and 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 because uh, you know you said it, 
and and I and I affirm it, Jeremiah, but Hebrews one, one through four, which you read twice actually in your sermon. Um, and I think I, I think I quoted it in the first week that Probably I did too. Did, so, yeah. um, but that 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 prologue in, in Hebrews there that or that opening to Hebrews um, very clearly says that that the Son is the exact representation of of God. Everything that it is that in, everything that it is to be God is the, the Son is, um, uh, and so. If he is identical with him, then, then that means everything that it is to be God is is him. So, um, uh, that that's hard to understand um, because then you're like, well, okay, does that mean like you asked the question? Does that mean that God died on the cross? <laughs> like, does that how how does that work, right? Because if he is mighty God. And he's Messiah, and, and Jesus is that. Then Jesus clearly died on the cross. We're not going to say he didn't. We're going to say he was dead, like dead, dead. For three days he was dead, dead, right? So does that mean that for three days God was dead, dead? Because that doesn't make any sense. Because then that means that the universe was without God for three days. And and and, and the and the verse you quoted from um, uh, that talks about Hebrews one. Yeah, yeah it's, it's also Hebrews one that that Jesus upholds the universe by the power of His word. Okay, well He's sustaining and upholding things, but if He's dead, dead, then then that means the universe should have fell apart at that moment, but it didn't. So did that mean that He didn't really die? No, I mean, like, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, this gets into some weedy kind of stuff, but it's it's important for us to understand it. And uh, I was in actually in children's shirt yesterday, and I basically said the store of Christmas is God became a baby, God became a human. Mm-hmm. And one of the kids actually asked me, and I loved it as a pastor. Mm-hmm. The answer was like, I was I dreaded answering this almost, but the kid was like, oh, so, okay, so if he was God and human, that means he was 50% God and 50% human, right? <laughs> and I'm like, no. <laughs> but so like I love the question, but I'm like, oh, this is gonna be tough to explain. But I obviously I said what Jeremiah said, he's a hundred percent God, but he was also a hundred percent human. Yeah, and well. no, and nobody is two hundred percent anything. I mean that 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 seems to be that that's a that, that that's a problem. We can't because we can't share essences, right? I mean that, that that's that's the thing, not the way that um not the way that we understand it anyway. The, the, um, so, so going back to that, so how do we, how do we get around that? I, like, if he is, we understand he's hundred percent God, hundred percent man. We we affirm that. Um, we believe that to be the case. Um, so when we talk about Jesus, how is it then that if he's hundred percent God, when he's crucified, uh, he doesn't die? That God doesn't die. Yeah, yeah. So the best answer lies in probably your favorite text when talking about this, and that's mm-hmm. Philippians 2. Right. And that's when it says that, that uh, it says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, whom being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took himself. But and, and so that whole part where it says made himself of no reputation, that's like the King James. Uh, right. Other other translations say he emptied himself. He emptied himself. Or he, yeah. So how theologians basically understand that is that he emptied himself, or or it's actually better understood addition by subtraction that he added on. So he, or he was subtraction by addition, right? Yeah, subtraction yeah. by addition. So he added on humanity. Mm-hmm. So he was already God. I mean, we see that from the beginning, in the right. beginning. He's already God. He adds on humanity. Mm-hmm. And so now he is the God-man. But by doing so, he also emptied himself of his uh, divine attributes. Right. And then, so then the question is, all of them, for how long? Can he tap into them? Right. Uh, that's the harder question to answer. And I think... Most people believe that he could tap into them. Mm-hmm. That by emptying himself at any point, he he could he could just kind of bust loose and tap into mm-hmm. uh, his. And that and I mean that seems to help us, like with the transfiguration and right. some other moments where it's really hard to explain right. what's going on. 
Um, I don't know where I'm actually at on that. I actually pr- prefer to say that that no, he he by emptying himself, he he gave up mm-hmm. those attributes at least for a, a period of time. Yeah. Because when it when it comes time to the resurrection, you're like, oh, that's easy to explain. Right. Well, he's God. He's God. He just rose up. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, while he's on earth, while he's human, Jesus. And that's why I think it's actually harder to understand Jesus as being 100% human. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not the part of our, that's not the point of this sermon series. That wasn't the point of my text. Right, right. right. But I think it's equally as important because Hebrews would later say that that Jesus needed to be a hundred percent, like just like you and I, or his sacrifice wasn't sufficient. Yeah, he needed to to be a hundred percent human. He needed to experience pain and loss and everything that you and I go through. He needed to go through, and that's why the the writer of Hebrews says that he's able to sympathize because he went through everything that we went through mm-hmm. as a human. Right, <clears throat> and, and so the logical question is: is you know. How could he have won everything he went through when at any point he could just snap and his godness is back? That's not me. Right. That He can't sympathize with me. Right. Um, so I, I know I might have brought up more questions, but that's well, no, kind no, of no. the best well, way. Well, it's, you know, there's, you know, we believe that Jesus had two natures, the divine nature and the human nature. Mm-hmm. And um, I, the biggest question. I, mean, I like I, that yeah. ish. Yeah. But that means he has two essences, right? And I think that, that what Jesus is, is uh, maybe it's one essence, but it's like a new type of essence. Right, right. And let me be clear. Jesus had one essence, and that's the essence of God. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. He's, he's God. <laughs> you know. It's hard. It's hard. And, and, you know, and you might be wondering, like, why are they so nitpicky about the words? Well, we have to, or else... A lot of these were condemned ancient heresies, you know. Yeah. So that's why that's why we're real careful when we think through it, and um, we don't mean to be heretics if we accidentally <laughs> say something. Right, right. And <laughs> and it, 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 we very well probably have said something heretical in, in discussing this because yeah. it, it's very easy to do. So um, going back to the subtraction by addition thing to to help people understand what we mean when we say that. Um, again, a great illustration from Dr. McKinnon. Um, he put it this way to us, and I, and I like this because I think it, 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 it sort of captures, it, it's not perfect, no analogy is. All analogies break down at some point because they're analogies, right? Um, but he said it would be like um, an English, like a native English speaker um, it, uh, learning, um, learning, uh, say French, right? And they learn French. And uh, in learning French now, there's certain things that, and then they decide to live among the French and to live as a, as, as a Francophile, right? Live, some, live as a French person, a French speaking person. So they're gonna, ne- the, they're not gonna use any English while they're among the French at all. So naturally, there's going to be some things that they can't exactly say. There's words that they can't use, right? They have access to them. They know what they are. But if they're going to be French, then they can't use them, right? Yeah. They're, 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 um, and and by, their own, by their own will, they're not using them. They're not allowing themselves to use them. So um, taking on this additional language and, and has limited them um, uh, it, by their own will, um, from being able to have ac- that they have access to, but not u- the use of um, their native language, and I, I kind of like that because it, it, if if that's the way that it is with 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 Jesus, then he never really empties himself. Sometimes uh, you'll hear um, certain theologians talk about kenosis, right? Kenosis yeah. theory, which is just it's Greek for emptying. It's, it comes from that Philippians two passage. And some people think that he literally, by taking on humanity, he literally emptied himself completely of all of his divinity. I don't like that. I don't like that idea. Uh, I think that he, I think that he is, if he is a hundred percent 
God, then, then, then I think, in fact, I think the, the, the sacrifice on the cross sort of requires that he have d- divine, divine attribute, you know, he still be divine. Um, but I, th- I, I, I like the idea that, that the kind of emptying we're talking about is, is by adding on humanity, he willfully limited himself from divinity. Not that he did, he had access to those things. Probably could have accessed them, but willfully had said, "As long as I'm, as long as I am, in, in, you know, in human form, I, I am not using godness." Yeah. Does that make sense? Mm. Yeah. So, no. do you think he ever does? No, I don't. I, I think I think when we see him doing things that are that are um, that look divine, like miracles and such, I think it's. We've said this before, and I think it's through the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. I think it's the same thing that empowers us. Um, now, you know, different theologians are going to differ on this, and yeah. I'm just sharing with you my opinion. And it, it may be, it may not be, you know, it may not be your opinion. It may not be anybody, you know, some of you who are listening, you might disagree with me. But as I'm wrestling with these ideas, no, I think I think that his walking on water, his feeding the five thousand, his all those things are through the Holy Spirit and his relationship with the Father in that way. The trickiest part, transfiguration, yeah. you know, on the mount, I don't know how you explain that part because it does seem that he actually taps into his glory at that moment. Yeah. Um, and so I don't know how that, maybe maybe there, but even there I almost want to say, no, it's by the Spirit yeah. that that happens, um, that that it's through God's spirit that that he's in, that that he's able to do the divine the, the divine things that he does. Yeah. So then that means that that means then some some really interesting things that even though he is to bring this back to, to where we are, even though he is mighty God, the same mighty God Isaiah prophesied that he would be that as as a human um, Jesus is we can't look at Jesus and go, well, I can't do that because I'm not God. Yeah. I mean, we, we look at Jesus and go, oh, but Jesus, you know, Jesus, Jesus was so wise. Jesus was, you know, was um, never did any wrongs. I can't do that because I'm not God. Or, I, I, you know, Jesus did all these amazing things. I can't do that because I'm not God. Well, if you say that he didn't tap into his godness, other than just his, he did everything through his perfect relationship with the Father, and I think it's what you have to point at, he has a perfect yeah. relationship with the Father, then I think that... Um, he's, he's... I don't want to say the, an area where he's different than us, but he was born of the Spirit. Born of the Spirit and shares... And so he, so never, he never became a Christian. And one would also say he, because of his... I think he shares the same will... As the Father in the Spirit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Like his will is the same as the Father's. What what we strive for, I think he has. Yeah. Um, and I think that I, I think that's because he's and I don't think that's tapping in into his divinity, perhaps, but his yeah. his will is the same. So it's impossible for him to um, what do we want to say? It's impossible for him to sin, right? Um, because his will is perfectly aligned with the Father's will. Um, so, but he can be tempted, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah David, so. David Platt in the, uh, uh, the Matthew commentary that Jeremiah referenced a few weeks ago that we tended to talk a lot about, mm-hmm. he kind of answered that, well, Jesus was human, he was tempted, but Jesus is also God, and God can't sin. And it's such an annoying answer. Because it's like, well, that doesn't answer it. It <laughs> doesn't answer you. But really, it does answer it. Yeah. But it doesn't almost like satisfy us, you know? Yeah. And that's what, oh, this topic's hard. This it, topic's it, dude, hard. It, it, you know, like you said, I, I think it's, um, to preach this is, is, is one thing. To really get into the theology of what we're trying to do here, of, of how this would have, how this works for Isaiah's day, Isaiah's understanding, which we agree probably was not, Jesus. I mean, they weren't thinking of like what we're talking about with Jesus here when Isaiah said this to them. Yeah, they were probably thinking of some human leader, uh, someone from the line of David, 
who was going to come and usher in a time of peace, like right? Like a military leader or something Yeah, like right, that, right, or, right. Yeah. Because that's what they needed in that moment. They needed a political military leader to to stave off invasion. Um, but then when Jesus comes and we see that he is the fulfillment of all of this and, and in the, the gospel writers clearly indicate that, that he is and uh, many of the other people who are prophesying, Zechariah, for instance, I mentioned at the, after the uh, birth of John the Baptist and before Jesus' birth, prophesies about Jesus this way. Um, all you know, they, they all sort of point back to these passages, and um, so it's clear that Jesus is the fulfillment of this. So then we we wrestle with, okay, well, how does he fulfill that? And then that brings us really to this third the third aspect, which is. Okay, well, how is he mighty God now, right? So, like, like, if Jesus is God and we believe that he is, then that means that he is, he's mighty God for us now, right? Like, and we say that we have a relationship with Jesus, um, right? We have, we have a, we we talk about being uh, an ambassador of Christ, right? We have a relationship with Jesus. So I'll bring up a very practical aspect of this, and I'll ask you guys this. You know, I think this is a, a, applicable to this, okay? Um, should we only pray to Jesus? When we pray, should we just pray to Jesus? Since, like he is God and he is like, um, or, or, or do we pray to God in Jesus' name? Is that the same thing? Yeah. Do I pray through the Spirit to Jesus for in God's name? Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, like so this, I, I mean, this is a, I'm talking a very practical right. kind of thing here. Like, who, how, is my, how is my relationship with Jesus supposed to be understood? Like, is he God, God to me? And so, therefore, am I praying to him? Am I worshiping him? Am I worship? You know, how does that work? Um, I, I think these are questions that, that other people might ask as well. Yeah, I, we may differ. We may not. I don't know. I'll just tell you what I do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, one thing I pray uh, uh, a lot of times. What I pray before I preach a sermon, and you'll hear me say, uh, "Holy Spirit, help us to be in union with you mm-hmm. through this." So, mm-hmm. I guess to answer your question, I do pray to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, I also thank Jesus that he died for me. Right. And I thank the Father that he's made a way. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'll i be honest, I pray to God. Uh-huh. But when it comes to the persons, mm-hmm. I also pray to the persons okay. as well. Okay. That's me personally. All right. Jeremiah? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I pray to, uh, I pray God, to God. Um, not to God the Father but to God. And so let me flesh that out yeah. a little bit. <laughs> so when we pray, I think you should pray to the essence of God. Okay. So, right. so to God. Yeah. And so when you say in Jesus' name, you're saying the same thing. You're praying in Jesus' essence. Whatever Jesus, whatever it means for J- Jesus to have the name that is above every name, mm-hmm. then you're praying in that name, mm-hmm. which I would just say that that name is Yahweh. Now, it's really weird to, and I don't know why it's weird. I wish it wasn't. I wish we would just pray to Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And when we said Yahweh, we meant all of it. Yeah. And, and, and in a lot of ways, when I say God, that I mean all of it. Mm-hmm. So if I want to talk about the, the persons of the Trinity, I don't use God for the Father. I just call him the Father. Mm-hmm. Or maybe I'll say God the Father. Mm-hmm. But there's the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. If I want to talk about the Trinity or the name that is above every name, mm-hmm. the, the name that Jesus receives, right? And, mm-hmm. then, and when we pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' essence or whatever, I pray it's to Yahweh. And actually, that's one of the reasons I think I like uh, the, the Holman that you read from a lot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say Lord. It just straight up says Yahweh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yeah. And so I'll be reading, and I, my, my Bible just says Lord. So you can pray. And in, in fact, I pray to the Lord. I pray to dear Lord sometimes. Yeah. Uh, like the address. Right. Dear right. Lord, the title, dear God. The, the title. Right. I never say dear Father. Yeah. Because, I mean. Do you, ever, do you ever directly speak to Jesus? 
Uh, like by name? Uh, yeah, I mean, you thank him. But right. well, actually, my prayer is more, I thank God for sending Jesus. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Thank you, God. Thank you, Yahweh, <laughs> for sending your son <laughs> Jesus. Tr- it's tricky, son right? Jesus. Like, yeah. I actually heard a uh, seminary professor after uh, he got done preaching for a... Uh, um, not really, it wasn't like an invitation time or anything like that. It was just to, after he got done, he actually prayed this. He said, Holy Trinity, help us to decrease so that you would increase. Yeah. So he, and I like I've heard, well, I've, I've heard, I've heard people pray to, I think, again, it might be McKinnon who, who did this, who pray to the triune God, or he would refer often to the triune God. But, yeah. but if you use that language on a Sunday morning, you'll confuse a lot of people. Say, Dear Yahweh, everybody, who is he? Praying? Yeah, are you or if you who say in the world, like, you know, try Jewish, you, all of a sudden, oh, oh triune God, you know, yeah. <laughs> like, like I think people would be like, what is he? What is he even talking yeah. about? That doesn't make any sense yeah. at all. But honestly, I think we just we should we should do something because being so vague in our prayer, I think we just need a better theology of prayer. Like, like for instance, yeah. I believe that we have direct access to God. Through a relationship with Jesus. So right. Jesus accomplished that separation between God and mm-hmm. humanity. But I also think that we pray in the Spirit, meaning that the Spirit is is kind of the connection line, like the phone line. Mm-hmm. So we have direct access through God through, through a relationship with Jesus, right? And then the Spirit is like the phone line, the connection between, like, it's what makes it effective. Like the spirit is the one that we encounter. It's the experience. How we experience God is the spirit. Sure. So when we say things like, uh, "I uh, accept Jesus into your heart," mm-hmm. you do. But it's technically, if you want to get technical, you experience God through the spirit. Right. Yeah. It's the spirit. God. Spirit. God's God. spirit. The spirit of God that comes and dwells within mm-hmm. you. And I think you. Sh- I think all of our theology needs to be better understood in this trinity yes rather than just and, and again i say god but i mean the triune god right i think most people when they say god they mean god the father yeah but i mean i literally mean the triune god or yahweh yeah. or yeah the name of god the essence of god right yeah, yeah and I, but I think it's really important, right? And I think and I think you're onto something there because because we are sort of um, you know so ambiguous with our with the way we use our terms and stuff. We're doing our people a disservice. Like we're we're we're, we're training them to think polytheistically. Yeah, um, I think we're training them to think of and think of God in terms of of three like three separate gods even though we don't use that language we 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 do you get what i'm saying we I mean, almost we pray as if they are separate we do and so then you have people i think i mean i think this happens all the time i think if you really polled most people who are christians your average person in the church is going to think it works something like this you have god the father at the top right and right, slightly below him is, is is God is God the Son, and then slightly below him yeah. would you you would have God the Holy Spirit, and so then we we treat God the Holy Spirit as the redheaded stepchild of the Trinity, and that's and and and, and, and so and just you saying that makes me cringe. Oh, it makes me well, it makes oh, me cringe too, right? But I mean, that's I do I think that's how I grew up. I think there was a hierarchy. Yeah, and and I don't think it works that way. Now I know some people. And that God is real. Is the God the Father is the real God? Is the real God, right? That He's El, right? He's, yeah. You know, but but I don't think it works that way. Um, but I, you know, what's funny is is I'll even hear justification for um, treating hierarchies in in terms of uh, gender hierarchies and stuff. They'll say, well, God, you know, Jesus is submissive to the Father yeah. in, in the same way that we're to be this, that yeah. we're. That wives would be submissive to their to their husbands, and I'm like, is he though? Like, is he? Yeah, they're, they're equal, air quotes, right? But one of them s- submits to the other. Yeah, right. So, like you were saying, they still have the same essence, but there's this like submissive order. Yeah, yeah. But I think you yeah. get. I think that really confuses things a little bit because I, I don't think we get this. I, I think that causes us to have this hierarchy of of understanding. 
to where we we do we dismiss the Holy Spirit in 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 so much so that we refer to Holy Spirit as it more than we do he mm. Mm. You know I mean I mean and that's mm. just that's true that's well, no it's true with yeah. all of our language I mean I you know I, I I'm guilty of that at times yeah. and and um the holy if the Holy Spirit is if he is a person of the Trinity, then it, it, and he is a he, not an it. Yeah. You know, and, and so it's, it's like the Holy Spirit is, we need to think of Holy Spirit as person, as a name for person rather than as, a, as an aspect of, of God. And we do That's that. separate from God somehow. And we do that because even Jesus referenced the Spirit as a he. Um, and uh, he's, you know, Jesus says that He will come to you when the counselor comes. When the counselor comes, He will, uh, you know, convict the world. Yeah, not it will. Not yeah. it will, but He will. Yeah, because He, the Spirit, same essence of, it's God. You know? Yeah. Um, what? Well, who is it? I think it's Francis Chan's got a book called The Forgotten God, the and, it's, and it's all about. It's all about. It's all about the Holy Spirit, uh, especially in like this Baptist. To be honest. No, no, you're right. I think I, I think I think one of the ways in which our and it's because we've we've seen some abuses. I think we've seen many, many abuses. Oh, certainly things credited to the spirit that just aren't spiritual. Right, and and so I think one area in which our Pentecostal holiness brethren are are probably a little bit, you know, are are, are more in are, are more uh, correct. Is in their reverence and respect for yeah. the Holy Spirit, and their, at least their acknowledgement. Their acknowledgement, yeah, of, I agree, yeah, of the Holy yeah. Spirit. Now, where I say, where I would say, we're more correct is in our understanding of how that works, right? Of yeah. of, of, of of the Holy Spirit, but um, that, uh, but it, you know, this is. I know this sounds like we maybe have gone off the rails from the sermon, but I don't think we have because I think if we're going to understand. Who mighty God is in terms of Messiah? Messiah is mighty God. Jesus is, and Jesus is Messiah. So if if Jesus is mighty God, then how is He mighty God in our lives? And 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 I think th- th- this is all the same kind of thing. We're still talking about really the same question: How is He? Um, how, how is He mighty God to us? Um, and 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 that, and that that includes how we how we address Him, like. Do we see him as as God, or or do we see him as someone who's standing at the right hand of God, right? Yeah. And, that, and that, again, I, and I think you referenced that when you talked about the Hebrews passage. Yeah. I think some some people hear us say or read that in the Bible and say, "Well, it says he's standing at the right hand of God." Well, how can he be? You know that that how can he be God and stand at the right hand of God at the same time? Yeah. It doesn't make sense, right? Because it gives this kind of like impression that you've got like a human who's gone up into heaven, who's before this guy, who's beside this guy on the throne, mm-hmm. and if, and like Jesus is doing nothing, now. right? He's like he's done, which looks like two different people, yeah. you know, two different uh, deities, yeah, a little bit. And yeah, we know that's not the case, right? So. Yeah. Well, that's where that's where, and, and, and I know you know this because you've got friends that are that are, are that struggle with this. But that's where Mormons really fall. Yeah, they like, like you know, because Joseph Smith has this vision in the woods behind his house or something when he's Who young, knows? and and he sees, <laughs> yeah. he claims to see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and he claims that they're all separate. They're all separate. All three. Of, he sees all three of them. At once as three separate, three separate individuals, um, and and so then um, that that becomes a part of the theology they they preach. Well, the way I look at it, for them, um, they have that wrong. So a lot of other things are wrong, and the Mormon faith. Well, yeah, yeah. And this I mean, is top that, down. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's really important, Blake, because yeah. I think that. Um, I, I don't know if you, maybe it's you, Jeremiah, who said this not long ago, but I think that oftentimes where we make mistakes in in our behavior towards God or our thoughts towards God is because we have an improper understanding of who He is. Mm. And that's why 
that's what we take it. That's what we're taking an hour today yeah. to talk about our understanding of who God is. I mean, it's, it's really important to get it right mm-hmm. because if you don't get that right, then you do like you just said. You get all kinds of things wrong. Yeah, you do. And um, you know, I think of my Mormon friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they have that wrong. They believe that they're separate. Well, if they're separate, let's just say they are right. If they are separate, then there's contradictions in Scripture. There's contradictions right. in Scripture, then why do we believe the Scripture? Yep. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And and if there's contradictions in the books we read, then, like, why are we even having this talk? You right, know? yeah. And so it's, if you don't, if you don't have a right understanding or at least the right affirmation of the triune God, mm-hmm. um, the trickle-down effect, you're going to have bad theology and you're going to have heretical theology yeah, yeah. through and through all of and it. And it's going to lead, I think, to improper behavior and, and sometimes heretical behavior as well. We're going to, we're, you know, if, if, um, if you bend in one area, then you're going you're, to be crooked in other areas as well. It just goes right down the line. Right, so. and um, with... I mean, let's just go back to the Joseph Smith thing. He said he seen he saw the father. He also saw the son, mm-hmm. and he saw the spirit, and they were different. That clearly goes against the teachings of Jesus, right? Because he tells Philip that if you've seen me, you've seen the father. That's right. That's if right. you've seen me, you've seen the father. So, how do we know that what Joseph Smith saw was wrong? Or you know, assuming he did see something, how do we know that it was wrong? Well, because it goes right against Jesus. Mm-hmm. It goes clearly against the teachings of Jesus. Yeah, and yeah. um. But I, I do empathize with them a little bit on their confusion on things like uh, he is at the right hand of the Father. Because if you read that literally, it does kind of give the sense of... So I understand the confusion. Right. But what we have to understand is that the Bible's not a... It, wasn't a, it didn't originate in English. Right. You and know? it's not always literal. And it's not always literal. Right. You know, it's not a, meant to be taken literal. Like Jesus says, I'm a door. It doesn't mean that he's literally a door. Right. And, right. you know, the... I see almost bad hermeneutics and bad theology almost intertwined there. Yeah, yeah. And it, it, the reason why there's a problem, the triune—they don't worship a triune God. Right. Well, and, and 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 to go back to the that illustration, that the, the standing at the right hand of the Father, you 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 pointed out why, how we how we can understand that because I don't want to leave just I don't want to leave that there as though it's a confusion. It's not a confusion. We when you understand that it's talking about a position, it's talking about positional. Authority yeah. um, that if if you're at the right hand of someone, it's the same thing as saying that you you you, you have their ear. You're at their you know you you have a position of authority, and that's all it's saying. It's not saying he's literally at the right hand of of, of the throne of God or whatever, but yeah. that that he he holds that position of authority um, because because of his um, because of who he is. Uh, one other thing I, I, that that I wanted to touch on in this in, in this particular episode, um, and I talked to you about this last night, Jeremiah. I just think um, you were you were uh, in in the middle, uh, or I don't remember exactly where it was in the message, but I just think you were knocking on the door of something really profound, and that, and I really liked it. I tried to make it the whole message. I started from the beginning. And right. Right. Yeah. So. Um, you you talked about the fact that that in Genesis we have God hanging out with Adam and Eve, right? That He's actually there in person with them, and that everything is okay with that. That there's no problems with that. And He, you know, it talks about it, they were accustomed to Him walking with. They were accustomed to Him walking with them in the garden. That's so amazing. We think, oh, well, that's so awesome, right? And then through disobedience, sin enters in, and it breaks that relationship so that, so that God has to exile them from his presence, exile them from, 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 from him, and now man is uh, separated from God because of disobedience. And this is going to set forth a pattern that we're going to see for years and years and years to come. Well, fast forward the story, of course, and then you you have God's presence coming back in. He, you know, he speaks to individuals um, initially, and then eventually he comes and um, dwells with his people um, in the tabernacle. We see his his presence there. 
uh, imperfect, but there it is, right? It's it, he, we see him. We see him first off. We see his presence in the in the the pillar of fire and the cloud and stuff. He's with them, and then he actually dwells in this in this dwelling that's in the midst of their encampment, right? So he's actually dwelling there in the tabernacle, mm. and then we see later that it's going to be a more permanent dwelling. It's going to be a temple, and he's going to dwell there. And then eventually we have Ichabod, right, that happens and the spirit goes away. And, and we understand that he's not in the temple, I guess, any, any longer. And um, this is during the intertestamental period. And then we have God coming back to dwell with man and walk and hang out with man again. Mm -hmm. Just like he did in the garden, only... We didn't fix the relationship. Like, think about that. The relationship got broken because of something man did. And God was, God exiled, had to exile man from his presence, right? And then God's been trying to get closer and closer to man. And then, without us ever fixing the relationship, suddenly God's walking with man again. And he does it by becoming one of us. Mm. Right? And so it's not quite what it was in the garden, but it's as close as we've gotten to the garden. Yeah. So what happens at the incarnation is as close as we get to the garden um, after the fall. And now, um, but through his sacrifice, through what's going to happen, he mends the relationship himself basically does everything it takes to mend the relationship so that he can now dwell in our hearts. Dude, that's awesome. Yeah. So now he's walking around with us just like he was in the garden, only it's inside of us. Now, one day we believe that we'll go right back to where the garden was, where he is with us and we see him and we're, full, we're in his full presence and the relationship is perfect again, and that's what we're—that's where we're aiming. But when I thought about when you brought that up, Jeremiah, and I thought to my and I and I heard you say it, I thought, man, how amazing is it that if I was writing the story, I would say, man broke the relationship, and God and 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 God and God exiled him from his from from his direct presence, and so. Man had to come up with a way to mend that relationship. Man had to do something to, bring, to, to, fix, to fix it so that God could hang out with them again. But instead, it's just the opposite. Um, man can't fix the relationship. And so even while the relationship's still broken, God figures out a way to come and hang out mm. with us. That's cool. And that's only something Almighty God could do. That's so cool, man. Yeah. That God, God would come and hang out with us, even though we were so so broken. Yeah. Um, oh man, it's so good. I mean, it's so good. And um, you know, like I said, you you were you were right there on on that, and I, I just thought that was such a good insight. And yeah. I I just um I hadn't thought about it that way. I guess I hadn't. I mean. Obviously, I've thought about the relationship we have with God and, 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 his, and His increasing presence and stuff. But the idea that that we didn't have to fix thing, the the thing that was broken in the garden, we didn't have to fix it in order for God to hang out with us again. Yeah. God came and hung out with us. Um, he couldn't. The relationship couldn't be fixed completely through that, right? Because we know that that. Um, we have to surrender. We have to do our part to, to not a, not an active part, but just that 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 active will, right? We yeah. have to have an active will that says, "I want you to dwell in my heart. Yeah. I want you to be in my life. I want to surrender to your will." Right? We have to have that. We just have um, to respond in faith. We just have to respond to it, right? Um, so it's it's not. And I don't believe that faith. Faith is not a work. So him coming and walking around with us was not enough to completely fix what was broken in the garden, right? I mean, yeah. it, it, it opened the door for it to happen. Yeah. But yet, here he is walking around with broken humanity, 
Um, and, and, and my thought is this, man, because I've often thought, and I've heard people say this, like, okay, well, why is it that, um, why is it that, 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 that um, when Adam and Eve sin, that God has to, God exiles them? Why is it that he, he does that? And we often go, well, God can't be in the presence of sin. Well, if Jesus is God, he is, though, right? So how do, how do, how do you make that work? <clears throat> Unless Jesus isn't God. But we're not going to say that. Um, so it's not the... I, I, so I take a harder stance on, than I think probably most, on Jesus emptying himself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I see... To see Jesus as a hundred percent human, mm-hmm. I have to see him as literally—I don't want to say literally—but emptying himself of his of his godness. Mm-hmm. And if he empties himself of his godness, then it's not—it's uh, not the essence. It's not—it's not everything that it means to be God is not. Uh, this is all heresy. So <laughs> he's still God, but those he is still in essence he's still God, but he's emptied himself of it. Yeah, kind of like a, on Earth for thirty see, years. The glory he because had in I heaven. don't believe if if he's the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power, mm-hmm. then for thirty years he couldn't have done that. Right. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So it obviously the godness of Jesus mm-hmm. never goes away ever. Right, but there's a there's there's an aspect of this Jesus mm-hmm. who has emptied himself, mm-hmm. um, and and I think because he's God, he can do both. I think, and we call that Jesus qua God, right. Jesus, Jesus qua, qua human. human, right? That that he's both human and God at the same time, mm-hmm. um, but he has inserted himself into time, which is something God doesn't do, right? God, God is outside of time, mm-hmm. but Jesus is inserted into time. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is definitely limited in very specific ways. Like there's a point when he, well, first off, he can't he can't be in two places at once. Mm-hmm. Uh, and another thing is there's a point when he says he doesn't know something. Mm-hmm. I don't know the day or the hour. Right. When he'll return. Right. And so that, that to me is him kind of showing us I'm human, mm-hmm. and I don't have these. I can't even tap into it right now. Right. Um, and so I, I don't think, I think the decision to to empty himself is also a decision that he can't even tap into it. Mm-hmm. But not that it, it it ceases to exist. Right. And I know that's a whole. <laughs> but if but it, but but then one might actually pause it. Then if if God could do it that way, right? If God could. Could make it to where he could walk around with humanity, um, and, and and be in the presence of sin because he empties himself of his godness. Why couldn't why couldn't why, he do it before? Why or why couldn't he just do it permanently that way? I mean, he's God; he could do anything he wants to. Why why can't he permanently do that? And I think the answer to it lies in it doesn't fix us, right? Yeah, that's that's. In fact, that, I don't think the incarnation fixes us. Right. I think my point was that it. It reverses one of the consequences of sin. Right. It doesn't reverse all of the consequences exactly. of sin. Exactly. Sin is still not dealt with. Dealt with. Because, for, because right. of who God is, yeah. sin has to be eliminated. Right. We don't want a God that doesn't eliminate sin. Yeah. And and that God doesn't exist because right. because God is who he is. Yeah. And so I don't I don't necessarily like the language of 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 God couldn't allow sin into his presence, necessarily. Mm-hmm. I like the language of God can't allow sin to exist. Mm. He, can't, he can't let it go unpunished. Right. Right. The, the sin has to be dealt It has with. to be punished. Because right. he's not just, he's not just if, it, if it's not punished. Yeah, exactly. And he has to be just. If he's not just, he's not God. Yeah. Right. So I, I, I'm with you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm with you on that. And my, my whole thing with this sermon, because remember this sermon series was on, so this more practical. This sermon series, we kind of was motivated by the fact that we felt this apathy. Right. right? And so when you get to this point and you realize that Jesus is God, 
mm-hmm. and that, that that God dwells within us. Mm-hmm. You can't be apathetic. I mean, there's yeah. I think this is the motivator, right? This is the thing that says, like, because sometimes we are apathetic, right? Right. But I think when you when you you know get in those times of apathy, realizing that everything that Jesus has done for you and that he and then he dwells within you, because how could he be at the right hand of the Father again and then also promise that he'll be with us always? Uh, so, I mean, he's with us always, and he wants. He wants to see the world eradicated of sin, and he wants to see others come to know him. Yep. And he's he's begged, not begged us, but he's he's called us to be the agents to to take that name, to right. take that presence to the world. So, and he pursues those who who would reject him. I mean, he pursues relentlessly those who would who would um, who will never say yes to him. And I mean that. All of that, right? How, how can you be apathetic? That's that, that's a that's a great question. Wow, we're about five minutes over here, um, but Blake, I'm looking forward to you sort of continuing this on Sunday because I think when you start looking at eternal Father or everlasting Father, you you kind of start tapping in, uh, tapping on some of the doors we've 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 looked at today. I mean, you're there. It's kind of hard to talk about him as everlasting Father without dealing with some of these issues. Um, and so I'm looking forward to that, and and uh, as we get uh, get a deeper and deeper understanding of who Messiah is and why we celebrate Christmas the way we do, because clearly there's there's much to be celebrated here. Speaking of that, we hope that you all, our listeners, have a very merry Christmas as well. Uh, from all of us here at Reza Sharon, we uh, we thank you for listening to us. And those of you who have listened to all the episodes from season two. Uh, kudos to you for that <laughs> for tuning in each week um, we enjoy putting these together and uh, whenever they're listened to by, by you um, and uh, we thank you we hope to see you in season 3 um, when we start back in January so until then have again have a very Merry Christmas and a very Happy New Year and we'll see you in 2022 this has been Monday Main Point so long